transcribe this one. Oh, good. Okay, you do. Good. I'm so glad you have this transcribed because this is going to be one of those ones where I'm going to read back and see how many times I cursed and see how few times you cursed and, and I'm going to feel shame. But uh, we're going to talk about some some Philly sports and where our, where our teams are at, huh? Philadelphia sports. Um, all right, so I saw an interesting question posed on Twitter, and I can't remember who posed it, but it was, where do you rate your four Philadelphia head coaches as it currently stands? And so we're talking the Phillies finished up their season. We've, we've, we've talked about that before, uh, missing a World Series ring by a couple of wins. Um, right now, as we record this, the Eagles are 10-1. and one. The Flyers just went on a nice, torrid 10-game losing streak and are second from the bottom in the Metropolitan Division. And the Sixers, well, are massively underperforming. So, uh, I don't know. Let's just, uh, what do you think here? Let's, let's, let, I'm, I'm curious to honestly think what, in order from worst to greatest right now, as it sits, the head coaching for Philadelphia sports. So, I'm biased. Uh, I'm going to say that right off the bat because going in, I fucking hate John Tortorella. I fucking hate him. I've always hated him. When he was coaching, he there was talks that he was going to coach the U.S. Olympic team a few years ago. And I said, you know what? That's the thing that's going to make me fucking root for Canada over the U.S. <laughs> so I would never, never go against the U.S., in especially in hockey. But fuck John Tortorella. So John Tortorella, who he's – dude, he's lost the team already. He's only been the coach for – Fucking less than a quarter of a season, and he's yeah, he started. Guy. He got signed in what July? Yeah, they signed him on a four year deal or something like that. I, he's not going to make it four years. Mm-mm. If if he's, I mean, they'll they'll let him finish out this season because what's going to happen is uh, Chuck Fletcher is going to get fired, the GM, and what they need to do is they need to start from scratch with their entire fucking front office and everything. They need to just wipe them all out and start fresh. Um. So I can't see them firing Tortorella before the end of the season because they no. need, basically what they need to do this season is they need to tank. They need to tank. They need to be sellers at the deadline. Get rid of get rid of pieces, and just you know what? Just they need to suck because John Tor- like all right. So fucking Tortorella, and, and where I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, I'm like you know what? Fuck it. We're stuck with him. I might as well just try to make the best of it. This motherfucker talks about signing Tony D'Angelo, who's been kicked off of teams for making racist comments and shit and making racist actions and, and all kinds of slurs. He goes, oh, you need you need that. That's that's character or, or that's uh, that's um, what did he call it? Um, I forget what the fuck he called it, but he was like basically saying that it was a good thing that he was a douchebag and that player teams that are full of good people don't win championships and i i don't know that that's necessarily true no it, it look there's a difference between being someone that's hard nosed and hard you know the way they play physically uh, especially with hockey right i mean you don't you don't have the uh uh the flyers teams of the 70s without the brutality right you know um but you know you don't really read about anyone just sitting there now who knows we all know we've all watched sports long enough to hear just not nice stuff, you know, just whatever someone calls somebody, whatever. 
but it doesn't have to be through words, obviously. It's just physical stuff on the field, on the ice, on the court, whatever it is. Right. So, yeah, you can be a jerk that, you know, I always like call it in baseball. They call it the clubhouse cancer. Right. You can be the jerk. You can mouth off all you want. You can be a great player. Ruins the team chemistry. Right. You know, I mean. And and that what's funny is that player that he was standing up for, Tony D'Angelo, then uh, the other day threw his stick up in the air out of frustration and skated off the ice and did not come back. And when they asked Torts about it, he said, oh, he'll either play tonight or he'll be out for six weeks. So, yeah, yeah he's completely lost. He's lost the team. Yeah. So, fuck him. They just um, they just snapped their losing streak, like you said, uh, in the span of a year and nine days. And obviously, this isn't all Tortorella because they, they started off with uh, Vigneault last year. Then they went to Mike Yo as the uh, as the uh, interim head coach, and now they've got him. But um, in the last year and nine days, the Flyers have had losing streaks of thirteen games, ten games, ten games, six games, and six games. Um, they're not a good team. They've had a lot of bad break injuries. Um, now, my dad was saying something interesting, and I haven't seen this to corroborate it, but you know, just to show how far the the rot is in this organization um apparently last year when they traded claude Giroux, the whole idea was he had got a handshake agreement behind the scenes that the flyers would bring him back in the offseason mm-hmm. and so as we all know he ended up going to ottawa so clearly someone broke their word and i'm willing to bet that it wasn't claude Giroux. Unless yeah, no. they signed, unless they when they signed Tortorella, he was like, ah, you know what? Fuck that! I'm not coming back. You guys are idiots." Because that's, po- that's possible, or you know, or maybe that was just you know, hey, you know what? We're wiping out all the handshake agreements altogether. You know, yeah. I'm I'm the new coach. I want he, this. Well, he you would know, he, he wouldn't he would be the one making that decision, but I'm sure he could still press the right buttons. Yeah, and you know? and and I could see him doing that because he's a piece of shit. So, um, but yeah, no, so fuck the Flyers. Um, you know, they're still my team, but I, I, dude, it's so hard for me to watch right now. I've watched and I just, uh, they're, they're, Carter Hart has played better this year. He's actually taken a step forward, which I'm surprised at because Torts is notorious for killing young players. Um, I just can't see that. I can't see him, um, I don't know. I, I I don't. I'm not a fan. I never will be. Never have been. Um, and hopefully they get rid of them soon because I'd like to. Even though they're going to suck, I'd still be able to enjoy it a little bit more. Right. And and as it sits right now, we're we're just talking like you said, just not a good team. So in the Eastern Conference right now, the goal differential is negative 19. It's the second worst um, behind the Blue Jackets. They're just not good. I mean, it's a it's it's a you know, it's a, it's like you said, kind of a bad break, uh, injury riddled, whatever, but uh, I'm not a fan of the head coach either. Um, you know, and in this, well, you and I said this, um, earlier, uh, the season was going to be a loss, right? You know, there was nothing really to look forward to. And in fact, the way they opened the season was a shock, you know, it was like, Hey, this, this looks pretty good, but everyone knew the wheels were going to fall off the bus. And they obviously have, and 
you know, it's not going to be put back together. I think Tortorella finishes up uh, this year. I don't know what happens beyond that. Uh, having signed a four-year contract, from my understanding, I can't imagine them uh, seeing that all the way through. But I also can't imagine them just being like, well, you know, you gave us a year. I, someone, no. Someone's leaving money on the table, you know. No, what's, here's what's going to happen is Chuck Fletcher will get fired either during the season or at season's end. His replacement will be hired over the summer. They'll probably put uh, Danny Bre- – they'll name Danny Briere as the interim GM because right now he's he's working in the front office as an assistant try to get some kind of uh, experience and everything in the role. He'll get named interim GM over the summer. They'll bring somebody else in. And then that GM will either at that point, I, I can't see them firing towards unless the season is just a complete shit show the rest of the way, which could happen. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not putting that out of the realm of possibility, but I could see them giving him a very short leash going into next season. And then him flaming out in the first week or two, maybe the first month, and then they bring somebody else in. But at this point, you're wasting years of you've got a cornerstone goalie. You're wasting years of him. Uh, Travis Konechny has started it back up. He had a down year last year. He's you know he's still relatively young. You're wasting a year of him. You're wasting a year of Kevin Hayes is getting older. You're wasting a year of him. You'll get Sean Couturier back. He he's one of the bad break injuries. He'll be back next next season unless he suffers another weird ass injury. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of you do have young talent. Ivan Provorov has has fallen off. I think the book is out on him, and and teams know how to to counter him. So I'm not you know wasting a year of him, but he's pretty much a waste at this point anyway. Ristolainen is shit. Like you have so many. That's the problem. Is there's so many players in this team that should not. That's that's my feelings on the Flyers right now. Um, so I never had looking at my four going from the bottom up, and I'm only going to say this: I, I gave uh, I gave Tort a little more than a four spot. I'm going to put him in the three spot for me. So the four spot's going to be Doc Rivers, and only because of one comment I saw yesterday, and it made me laugh because it's the absolute truth. Doc Rivers right now is literally Joe Girardi. Yeah. You no, know, no, no, he absolutely is. And, you know, you have all this talent in front of you, and I'm not saying they haven't had, you know, their bad breaks either, and right now they're middle of the pack. You know, if the, the playoffs were to start today, they'd have a spot. Um, but they're not going to break the first round the way they sit. Um, he needs to go, um, you know, much the same way Girardi did. Uh, it, it's not a good fit. Um, I don't follow the NBA a ton. But what I do follow is that um, – he doesn't need to be head coach anymore. Yeah, no, so he's he's my fourth, and only for the sheer fact that he's had his chances. Um, now, granted, they had a, a nice run last year. Um, still think they underperformed. Uh, you know, as far as where they ended up in the playoffs, uh, I still think that could have gone further. Um, I really do. Um, but uh, this year, what a joke start! Uh, they're barely above five hundred. I mean, it's. <laughs> Look, Embiid, what threw down what a fifty-pointer the other night? I mean, he's ridiculous. You you have like a generational talent on the court every night, and exactly. it's it's a joke. And that was that was what 
you, you took the words right out of my mouth. You have a generational talent, and you are wasting him. You have the talent on this fucking team. Do something with it. If Doc Rivers isn't going to do something with it, get somebody who will. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that person is, but there's got to be somebody who's better equipped to handle the talent on the Philadelphia 76ers than Doc Rivers. And literally, the only reason that Doc is not four for me is because I hate John Tortorella that <laughs> Well, yeah, and 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 you and you let off with that too. It's is a pretty obvious like, you know, hey, I don't like this guy, you know, and, and I think that's the thing though. With either one of those guys, any right rightfully minded person would throw those guys three, four, you know, four, three, however, because you know are obvious too. Which we could same way, you could swap right. one two being the Phillies and Eagles. We'll we'll talk about that. Um, you know, it's look. Flyers, we knew were not going to be good. We knew that going into this. The Sixers, we had all this hope in the world for because of last season. Mm-hmm. We've got all this talent on the court. Um, and look, I'm not saying that they haven't had their issues here and there. And but look, the Ben Simmons stuff is long gone. You know, you can look way past that now. You know, you've got a lot of stuff that's you know out of your out of your sights. Right. Look what's in front of you, and they're obviously not. You know, so all right. Um, this will be fun. Let's uh, let 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 we'll leave the Eagles for to me. I think that's a good main event because they're still playing and they're still playing obviously very high level fun football right now. Um, but you uh, had mentioned to me just before as we uh, started recording that the winter meetings were heading up, um, starting next Monday, correct? For Major League Baseball, December 4th. Okay, so uh, for the uninitiated, that's uh, basically when all the uh, I don't know the, the supervisory management executive personnel for uh, different baseball teams kind of you know get together for their annual winter conference, if you will, and they they kind of hodgepodge and they glad hand and they 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 basically talent shop right. um, is is the way it goes. Um, sometimes you have uh, big signings that come out of winter meetings. Sometimes you have big rumors that come out of winter meetings and sometimes you have nothing. Right. It's um, called, and, and the, the colloquial name for it is hot stove season. Yep, exactly. It's, uh, it's interesting. So, you know, we've talked about it here. We've already talked about it on this episode. The Phillies missed the world series victory by a couple of wins. Um, Rob Thompson takes over after Joe Girardi, um, you know, after his absolute disaster start, um, takes the Phillies, kind of squeaks into the playoffs, um, but does so without Bryce Harper for a good portion of the season. Uh, wins a lot of ball games even without him, and uh, that that kind of made me think. So Harper had his Tommy John last week, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's the speculation is that he's back by the All Star break, um, and maybe at full speed, maybe maybe actually playing right field uh, July or August. Um, which would be awesome. Um, yeah, great, great to have him in the outfield. Um, I think they've proven they can win without his bat in the lineup, um, which is a good thing. Um, my my big question marks, as I've mentioned before on here, are Castellanos uh, needs to hit because if he doesn't hit, then this team's in trouble. I don't care who they sign, right? Um, you know. But the rumor that, you know, obviously, I don't know if you followed 
uh, trade rumors. Uh, today, the article hit that uh, Trey Turner was uh, named the basically the Phillies' top priority. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but to me, even if they sign him, and you know, you could sign another, you know, huge offensive piece. You know, I don't know where he'd slot him in, but I, I really think next year hinges on Castellanos. I just really do. I I definitely I agree. Um, I would like to see. Obviously, Trey Turner is is the guy that we talked about. You know that who we both would pretty much love to see at that shortstop position for the Phils. Um, read that same article you read. Uh, I've been seeing John Heyman said it um, in Sports Illustrated as well. Uh, I've also seen though another report from NBC Sports saying that. Uh, the Phillies are in the are in the lead for Xander Bogarts, so it's. I, I mean, I've been seeing more smoke with regards to Trey Turner, which obviously is who I you know who I want. I'm fair. That's who you wanted to. Right? Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense just to, for but a team perspective. Let me let me throw this at you. What if they get both? Yeah, and I've thought about that too. You, you and I have kind of, you know, battered that idea around through here through text messaging. What if they ended up with two of the four? Um, you know, and 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 really, if they do, it would be to me, it would be both Bogarts and uh, Turner. I I doubt it, but it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, but I also doubted them getting Cliff Lee, what twelve years ago or whenever that was. Um, you know, it, you know, there's certain things that you just are like, what? Or even the Harper signing. Right. You know, I think everyone was a foretold conclusion that he was either going to be going back to the Nationals or he was a Yankee. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, Phillies, Do- I think the Dodgers, Dodgers were big too. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is that if you do that, you know, what do you actually do with, you know, somebody like Bryson Stott? Who obviously is the low average fielder, maybe average, um, but does have a spark in the lineup, does see a lot of pitches. Uh, he's not offensively the greatest, um, but he, uh, to me, is a good clubhouse guy. He's a good rookie. He's fun. You know, he's he's through the system. Um, he's you know pretty friendly with Harper. I mean, they they that seem they seem to get along pretty well there. Um, I don't know what do you do. Do you trade him? So I mean, uh, I've got a couple. I've got a couple different plans here. One of them we kind of talked about, but we we didn't really uh, solidify on because there were so many unknowns with it. But how about how about Stott in right field and Cassianos at first? Trade Reese or put Reese at DH during uh, Harper's absence, and then when Harper comes back, you deal him at the deadline and bring in some arms. Yeah, yeah, and it's possible. The I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't know what. Uh, let's see. Let's what's Castiano's first base experience? I don't even know. I don't think he has any. I think maybe like I, I think we looked it up and it was like one game or something. Okay, that's that's right. That's right. I think that's the going to be the problem. Is I don't know what you do there. You know, I think the you know honestly, if they really wanted to and make him some kind of defensive improvement they would need to target a third baseman move bomo to first um but the, the third baseman have to be more defensively superior than bone it's hard to find right for one 
Um, but I don't know that, you know, again, we've, we've, we've kind of talked about that. I, I think, you know, for Hoskins, I think this is his last hurrah unless he really shows some kind of marked improvement. But, you know, as well as I do, that, you know, aging up in baseball and defensive skills do not go hand in hand. Right. Um, and I think that's why I rest my laurels on Castellanos, even if Hoskins stays at first. Um, or they, you know, I, my thing is, like, you know, who do they get if they can trade him? I, I, I don't know, you know. Right. Um, and if they do, uh, there's a myriad of people that are going to slap at first. Uh, most likely to me, if they don't trade for first baseman, I can see Derek Hall starting there. Yeah, that would be – he provides the the power numbers that are traditionally associated with a first baseman too. So it's not like – it's not like throwing a – you know, even if you were to move Stott there. You know, Stott's not great defensively. He doesn't have the power that you typically associate with your first baseman. Um, you know, if Cassianos were to round back into shape, which, which we looked at his stats over the years and how they kind of ebb and flow from year to year – he kind of is a little bit more prototypical from the first base production standpoint. But again, he's played one game there. You know, it's kind of hard to move somebody to a new position like that this far into the career. Right. You never know. I mean, another another situation, maybe what you do is, um, and, and I don't know if he's ever done this, but one of the positions that seems to be an easier transition for players to make is from catcher to first base. Right. Catchers play first base all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's and that'd be interesting. Um, you know, the, the hard part is, is that you have the best catcher in baseball. Right. Well, no, I, and I'm not talking about him. Oh. Uh, we, have some, we have some young players in the minors. Oh, minor. Okay, okay. That maybe you start cross-training them in spring training, seeing how they play, and start – and you look at them as maybe a defensive upgrade with offensive potential with an offensive upside, you know, and, and, you know, there's just, there's a lot of different ways you can go. None of them are set in stone. None of them are guaranteed to do any better for you than what you're getting from Reese. Right. But and you I, owe it to yourself to look at any and all options. To and I, I think the other thing too, that we didn't talk about kind of in our early, you know, way too early Phillies episode. And, and just now um, the shift is eliminated next year. Um. And, and I only say that because, you know, you might now have the possibility of even be a little more lenient on somebody's defensive mishaps if their offensive numbers are going to be boosted because the shift is gone. All right. What I'm, I'm hearing is going to apply for apply to Reese necessarily, but, you know. What I'm hearing from you is Ryan Howard coming out of retirement confirmed. <laughs> exactly, right? Man, could you imagine that? Ryan Howard's numbers in a in a shiftless baseball. I mean, that that would have been the dream. Mm-hmm. If the shift gets gets taken out of the game in like 2007. The dude would have Tony Gwynn average with Cecil Fielder power numbers every year. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know how many times did we watch him just hit right into the shift? And I, listen, a lot of people for whatever reason, dislike Ryan Howard. I am a Ryan Howard fan. You know, I, I think... No, it's not for Ryan Howard. The Phillies do not win 08. Right. They don't even get in for... I mean, he's... he's. I'm not saying that he was the cornerstone, uh, but he's, you know... There's he, a reason his he's nickname the powerhouse. is the Big Piece. Exactly. He's the powerhouse. And he, 
his numbers, like he he did so many good things offensively. We 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 could you know run an episode on him, but he did so many good things offensively at such a young age that he superseded a lot of Hall of Famers. Yeah, Brian Howard's never going to make the Hall of Fame. You know, it's just unfortunate. It's an unfortunate thing. Um, you know, mainly because I think his career was cut short. Um, as far as his prime years were cut short, where his numbers fell off really fast, particularly after he got hurt. Right. Um, after the 11 season, um, you know, if had he rolled up another five, six good seasons in there, surefire Hall of Famer. Um, but, you know, he ran those numbers up so quickly. Um, and especially you have to think about this. He's the guy that took over for Tim, Jim Tomey. 600 home run plus Jim Tomey. I mean, come on. Right. Like, th- th- it's crazy to think about. You know, because who replaces him? And Jim Tomey was still hitting a ton of home runs. It's not right. like he was, you know, knocking on death's door, so to speak, for his career. Well, and, and toward the end a, of it, but there's a reason that that they brought Jim Tomey back. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like exactly. People forget that he did come back to Philly while Ryan Howard was still with the team. He was still a good, you know, Jim Tomey could still hit the ball towards the end of his career, and and he was brought back. You know, it's not like the, the Philly, you know, when the Phillies traded him, like you said, he wasn't, his career wasn't on death's door. He was, he was still hitting, he was still mashing and, you know, but they had to make room for Ryan Howard. Yeah, he was, he was moved, he was moved to make, you know, the Phillies were building back then, you know, they had already, uh, you know, you know, you already had Utley, you, you had Rollins in there. You, you were, these pieces were being made from the miners, building, 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 building. And it was just the next logical step. Right. He was he was blocking him, you know. And I can only imagine had the designated hitter been around in that time frame, two thousand five, two thousand six. Could you imagine, dude? Rise and, and here's the thing, I I'm still even, even I'm still not a DH guy. I'm still not. I'm not either. But the whole, oh. you know, it's funny mm-hmm. we say that, but like. Had that not been existent, the Phillies do not go as far as they do in the playoffs, nor probably even make it. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Because that's obviously what helped us be able to keep uh, uh, Bryce involved in, in the offense. And let's not pretend that he wasn't a huge reason for everything that, that happened this year. So, no, I, I think we can both agree that as much as we hate the DH, it was a necessary evil this year, and yeah. if it would have been, I mean, look, let's be honest. If we grew up American League uh, fans of an American League team, would we hate the DH? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, exactly. but here's the thing: I think, and again, I don't think this is meant to be a dump on, you know, American League baseball, but I honestly think that being a fan of a National League team. And, and, and if you follow that team more specifically than just following baseball in general, you and I followed baseball, uh, I think, more generally just in, in, in the sense of more than just our team. Because we grew up in an era where you had really exciting players. You had Bo Jackson, you had Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Nolan Ryan, you had Ricky Henderson, and all these really fantastic players that never sniffed a Phillies uniform. No. You know, but they're so fun to watch in their own right. So you can appreciate the whole thing around, but being a team, a fan of a National League team, you you learned more about okay, the double switching, 
And, you know, are they going to leave the pitcher in for one more inning? And they're going to take the hit because obviously this guy can't hit worth a darn, but he's lights out on the mound right now. Right. And it's that more the chess moves, whereas you didn't have to deal with that in the American League. You know, it's it's almost kind of wild where, you know, it's really weird. Think, think about this. Every other sport, they play by the same rules. Baseball, they didn't for like 100 years. Right. Both leagues had different sets of rules. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like you said, you know, there's no other, you know, it's not like in, in hockey, the, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference, you can you can play with an extra player in overtime or something, you know, like it, it's still, it's the same in both. It's not like in the NFL, you know, in the NFC, you can, you know, you could, uh, you can go for two, but in the AFC, you can't go for two. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly what what the uh, what it would be like. It's like, yeah, no, uh, extra point for the NFC. You're kicking from the twenty yard line. AFC, yeah, you got to go from thirty five. Right. You know, but that slight difference in something like that, you know, just in, and really, and this could be a good segue as we get into the NFL speak here. They move back recently in the last few years how far you kick that extra point and look what that's for force more teams to do more two-point conversions because honestly i don't know how many times every week i watch and it's like well off and upright or they go wide left on an extra point or wide right right and it's like are you kidding me but it's like it's from a much further distance yeah and you know i mean look i'm not a professional kicker i don't want to sit here and dog the guys but it makes it more interesting you know, and, and and I want to throw this at you too, because I because um, I don't know. Have you ever actually tried to kick an extra point? Uh, dude, maybe like twenty plus odd years ago, and I couldn't do it then, and I can't do it now. Yeah, I, I've I've tried like legit tried, and no, I'm I, I was kicking it into the back of the lineman. They're pissed. Um, it, dude, it's hard. It's hard as much as it's it's such an automatic thing for them. And look at it this way too: is since we're, we're we are, I guess, segueing in the football already. Um, Jake Elliott, who this week uh, passed David Akers for the most fifth uh, most field goals from fifty. I want to say 50, 54 yards or more. Um, something like that. It's like fit from fifty or fifty. He's he's the most accurate long distance kicker that the Eagles have ever had. He has in his career. Um, oh no, that's what it is. It's the most field goals from 50 plus yards because he has the same amount of field goals from 54 or more he's made than all Eagles kickers combined in the history of the team. That's crazy. That's crazy. He's already had in his career. Wow. So, and he missed an extra point this past this past weekend, Green Bay, and then Green Bay turned around and missed an extra point too. Right, right. So it was, you know, it, it, it's it just goes to show like those little variations that you take. It's something that used to be automatic that like, you know, we would miss them in very rarely, but we would miss them in like Tecmo Super Bowl and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that never happens in real life. And now all of a sudden, you got teams missing them because they. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. It it actually kind of makes Tecmo. Uh, obviously, minus the two-point conversion part, it actually makes that more realistic because it is harder to you know, make them in that. It's a timing aspect. 
Yeah. If you just time it and you kick the hashes, I mean, it could easily ding off the uh, upright. So, yeah. um, and that's that's happening a lot. I don't know. Um, again, I think it's more of a distance thing, but uh, I also think it's uh, it, it it's kind of like the yips too. Um, where you know, in baseball, who was the third? Was it Zimmerman? Chuck Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch too. Where it's like you just can't throw. Like you just like, you know, it's like it just completely misses. It does whatever. Like I know Zimmerman did it quite a bit where you know the guy was a tr tremendous third baseman but then like he would like have to make some really simple routine play and it would screw it up every single time mm -hmm. and i think it was like i can't exactly remember what it was with him but like i don't know if it was like handling a bunt or something like where it was like everyone else was like automatic and like he would just like you know throw it into the second row yeah and it's like the weirdest thing because you have like a elite player and I, don't, and I don't know that that's what's happening with some of these kickers, other than I know it's difficult. I know it's further away, but I think sometimes it's like it almost gets in their heads, like, oh, man, they added this extra distance. You know, I know I can kick 60-some-odd yards, but, man, it should be an easy point. And it's not. You know, it's interesting. So yeah. let's talk about the football thing, though. We, uh, we did an Eagles season preview episode which actually turned out to be quite prophetic as we stand now. <laughs> you had made a comment saying that every single game on this schedule is winnable. And uh, they're 10 and 1. <laughs> I, I don't want to say I told you so, but dude. I, and, and they're winning. It, it, some of these games are winning despite themselves. And, and I am. I don't want to. That sounds bad when I say it, but the defense has had its moments where it's been really, really good, and it's had its moments when it's been really, really bad. They're, they're not tackling well. Um, their, their special teams is atrocious. Their kick coverage and punch oh. is, is fucking terrible. Um, but the, like the X factor is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts looks like... 11 games into his second season as the full-time starter looks like he has taken that next step. And what it comes down to is something that I said at the beginning of the season. This is his, his, the first time in his entire football career since high school that he has had two years in the same system with the same head coach with the same offensive coordinator and yep. the amount of consistency that that builds and the amount of confidence that that builds in a quarterback. And it allows them to recognize and get more comfortable with things and be able to think, all right, I know this offense well enough. I know that if the defense lines up in a, you know, in a Tampa two in, in a two safety high shell, this is what these. This is what the safeties are going to do. This is where the corners are going to go. This is how they're going to bring the the rush. These are what. This is what my players are doing, and they can. You start to recognize patterns better. You start to know what you can do to exploit the defenses and the fronts you're seeing and the defensive coverages you're seeing, and he's able to do that. And Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, the the head coach and the offensive coordinator, both have said that he started. You know, in the first season he would do whatever they would say. He would go out and execute. Mm -hmm. This season, he's actually able to come back to them and say, hey, I noticed this. 
when they're lining up like this, because we've lined up in this formation, this is what their safeties are doing. This is where their linebackers are going. This is how their, their corners are covering. And he's able to start helping them dissect things from what he sees on the field, which is helping overall in how they're performing offensively. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, I, not this past, you know, not this season preview, but the last season preview I had, um, you know, and I'll, I'll be kind of paraphrasing myself here, but I had thought that, you know, I wanted to see him excel on such a high level. You know, I wanted, I wanted him to be, you know, our quarterback for, you know, however long, you know, whatever it took to build this next big playoff run, you know, akin to what we saw with McNabb, um, you know, kind of the build. Yeah, I guess you could say it kind of started with Wentz, Foles, error into now. You know, they've, they've been pretty competitive ever since the Super Bowl victory. To me, they have, for the most right. part. For the most um, part. It's, it's been watchable, I'll say that. It's not yeah. like it's been like, oh, we got to worry about a two- or three-win team here. Um, we, we're always at least sniffing it, you know, a decent record and, and, and most likely in the playoffs. Um, but I wanted this because I saw what Mahomes did in Kansas City. Um you know, I, I see. I saw what some of these good Randall Cunningham esque quarterbacks have done, and and Hertz is like another level of that. And my my thing with him is that like he's got vision like I've none other. I, I've never seen it. Um, this guy just finds space. I, I don't know how. I don't know why, but he just sees it. And uh, you look at this past game against Green Bay. He's sitting there setting records for most yards rushed, what by Eagles quarterback, uh, like that. Yes, he did. He got the the Eagles uh, quarterback rush. Yeah, yeah, it was like a hundred and what fifty something, one forty something, a hundred and fifty eight. Yeah, it, you know, and then you know, still is able to you know make his targets. And here's the thing: he's he's. <clears throat> he's apt to make those deep or longer, um, you know, to, to, to AJ Brown or Quez or, you know, some of these receivers, you know, he did this on the ground with Miles Sanders um, also contributing a ton of yards, by the way, uh, without Dallas Godare, you know, Dallas Godare is go-to to me, you know, much like Travis Kelsey is from Holmes. Godair is like that for, for for Hertz, you know, and it's he's not, you know what I mean? He's not there. Yeah. Well, so. Dallas Scott, Dallas Goddard could be what I what I was hoping they would do is kind of give his place to um, uh, what's his name, uh, Grant Calcaterra. Mm -hmm. They drafted. They've been using more Jack Stoll. They've been um, putting uh, Tyree Jackson. Is it Jackson or John? Shit. It's Tyree Jackson, yeah. Jackson. So he's he's the guy that used to be quarterback. Yeah, and he's the and, one that has all sorts of ceiling. He just been hurt. Right. He's he's six seven. He's a huge red zone target. You know, if they could what they what they should do is start throwing some of the passes they were throwing to Goddard to him and mm -hmm. keep that position keep that area open. You know, you don't have to close off that part of the the the, the playbook. Goddard should be back soon enough. But this offense is really, man, it has the potential. So there's only three quarterbacks that have had more rushing yards in a game than 
than what Jalen Hurts had. It was one fifty-seven. So those one fifty-seven ends up giving him uh, the only quarterbacks that have rushed for more yards in a game are Colin Kaepernick, who had one hundred eighty-one yards in a uh, playoff game. Justin Fields had one hundred fifty-seven rushing yards. Oh, okay. My apologies. This is so. This is the quarterbacks who have run for 150 yards and two passing touchdowns in the same game. Okay. All right. He's the first one to do it in a regular season win because um, Colin Kaepernick did it. He did 181 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and a playoff win. And Justin Fields ran for 157 and threw for three touchdowns or and three touchdowns. And um, but he lost. And so um, interesting fact, the only other player in NFL history with 150 rushing yards and two passing touchdowns in the same game. Aside from those from Hertz, uh, Kaepernick and Fields. Mm-hmm. Walter Payton. Walter in Payton, 1983, the running, the running back for the Bears. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess they would have. He had 161 rushing yards and threw for two passes on trick plays in a loss to the Saints in 1983. Um, here's the stat. That That's I'm like the most Bears thing ever, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here's here's the stat that I was looking for. Hertz's 157 yards are fifth most in NFL history in a game by a quarterback behind Kaepernick with 181, Fields with 178, and Michael Vick, who had 173 yards versus the Vikings in 2002 and 166 versus the Saints in 2006. Vick held the previous Eagles record with 130 yards against the Giants in 2010. So, And his 157 yards in one game are the most by any Eagle in exactly eight years since LaShawn McCoy had 159 at Dallas on November 27, 2014. His 9.2 rushing or rush or yards per, per rush average is the highest by an eagle with 150 more rushing yards since Bryce Brown's 178 yard game against the Panthers in 2012, where Brown averaged 9.4 yards per carry. Oh, God, there's a name I forgot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so thanks to uh, uh, Ruben Frank from NBC Sports for those. Stats. Yeah, it was good. Always oh, good for some numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's great. But I think that's what makes it so exciting is that we have we finally have somebody that, you know, uh, to me, uh, the most exciting quarterback uh, to watch for the last several years. I've already said it was Mahomes to me. I just love it. And I, and I think part of it's because he's, you know, under Andy Reid. Um, yeah. As much as I hate to say it, you know, um, and, and where I live, we get a lot of Chiefs football. Um, so I get to watch a lot of a lot of that. Um, and it's exciting. Uh, and and to, to finally have that, you know, and I'm not saying that it wasn't exciting for, you know, a, a Nick Foles won Super Bowl, and I'm not saying it wasn't exciting to see Wentz excel when he did. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just saying it, it feels like, you know, hey, we're the talk of the town. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we're 10-1. and one. We have this fantastic offense. Um, you know, it's, you know, still has holes. Um, you know, look, we're, we're kind of without a, a top tight end right now. We're, 
we're you know still trying to figure out some things um, in the passing game. Honestly, uh, right. you know there, there's you know for the first part of the season it was kind of lights out. Uh, now it's you know more ground based. But look, they're winning ball games. I'm not right. Not complaining about that. Um, defense, uh, they they made a couple moves. Um, you look, they they signed the Domkin Sue, uh, Linval Joseph. Um, looks like um, Jordan Davis is uh, about ready to come back here in the next what? I think he's three weeks away, maybe. Yeah, if that, he'll he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, um, I mean, it's it's really really exciting times. Um, you know, hey, they had a heck of a time beating the Colts. It was a one pointer. Last minute, kind of win on a Hertz run in. Um, uh, you know, the Packers, you know, kind of at least stuck with them. It wasn't a complete walkover. Um, you know, the, but I think it's a, you know, that's the fun thing about football, uh, unless you're the Texans, which, you know, the Eagles kind of had their, the Texans kind of gave them a little run too, you know, not really, but. Kind well, of. you know what? Because <laughs> because I've had this conversation with a couple of people, and they said, "Oh, you guys almost lost to Detroit. You guys almost lost to to Houston." But that's you football. Lost. But exactly, and that's the thing. On any given Sunday, any team can beat any other team. Mm-hmm. That's why they play the game. And the other thing that you got to look at is, and I and, and obviously I pl- I never played at the level that that these guys played at. But if I knew that I was playing a team that was really good or a team that I hated, you get up for that game. I mean, if you're not getting up for, for every NFL game you're playing, but if you're the, if you're the underdog, you're, you've got that extra motivation. Everybody wants to knock off the top, the guy that's on top of the heat, you know, that's why, look, I, I'm, I hate that I'm putting this to, to record by having it recorded me saying this, but look, when we were younger, Dallas won three Super Bowls, right? Mm-hmm. You know what made beating them so damn satisfying besides the fact that it was an Eagles win? They were the team that was America's team. They were the team that was good. They were the champs so often that it felt really damn good to just punch them in the mouth. Mm-hmm. You know? It gave it that extra. We may not. My my whole thing when I was younger was look. I ne I never thought the Eagles would win the Super Bowl. I always hoped, but I was raised in Negadelphia, much like you were, mm-hmm. and, and we've got a little. We've gotten to a point where we're past that. But when I was younger, I never thought the Eagles would win the Super Bowl. My hope was every year that we just beat the ever living shit out of the Dallas Cowboys, and then because uh, I was just so used to losing. That's how I, I always hoped the Eagles would win. I never really thought it would happen. But if we beat the shit of the Dallas Cowboys, we went two and fourteen. The year wasn't a total loss. Right. Yeah, no. And look, I mean, you know, we didn't have a whole and here's the thing too, you kind of go back and look at that. We didn't have a whole lot to cheer about. Right. Either. So, you know, I think that's why you have um things like the ninety three Phillies are so fond memories because Oh my God! They they you had this like ragtag bunch of guys that made it all the way to the World Series. Give you something to cheer about, you know the 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 Eagles were were strong through obviously the Buddy Ryan years, um, and then 
you know, much like Doc Rivers uh, or, or Joe Girardi, for that matter, we get handed Rich Kotite. Um, and, and, and look, I mean, you still have a good solid core there, but the coaching was so atrocious that, you know, not a whole lot to cheer about, to be honest. But like the one time where they do get, and they beat the Cowboys or they just beat, you know, the Giants or just, you know, division rivalry games where they win. It felt that much better because it's like, you know what? Look, they won four or five games this season. They weren't going to make the playoffs, but it was something. Right. You know, um, look, you know, you and I have talked about this in a preview. Um, every see every, and I think that's football. Like you said, any, any given Sunday, any, every single game on this Eagle schedule was winnable. Um, they're set at 10 and one right now. Um, I don't know how this finishes. I don't know how far they go. Um, I really don't. I have no idea. I don't have crystal ball in front of me. Heck, they could win out the rest of the regular season and get conked the first playoff game they play. I don't know. What I know right now is it's exciting. Right. You know, and they're the talk of the town. And I'm in, enjoying every freaking second of it. Oh, hell yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's awesome. Um, the uh, uh, I think you have some unheralded uh, kind of players, too, that you know, you're, you're, you're really starting to, you know, kind of look at and, you know, um, like in the secondary, my goodness, secondary is dynamite right now. And it, it was kind of a shame to see, you know, uh, Gardner Joseph, or was it Gardner Johnson, Gardner Johnson. Get bumped off, Gardner Johnson get bumped off the field, uh, in that last game, he came back, um, no, he didn't, he's, oh, he didn't come back. I'm for, sorry. He's out for multiple weeks. He's that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. Um, who was in? Wasn't there someone in the secondary that came? Uh, I can be thinking of someone else, but no. But I mean, but he, you know, he was so exciting. He was uh, what he he had what it was. He was what leading the league in interceptions, didn't he? Yeah, he's leading the league in interceptions with six. Uh, an undrafted free agent safety. Blankenship. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, it's like someone came back with an interception. It was it was Blankenship. Um, so, oh, so no, a few weeks ago. Um, Gardner Johnson got hurt, left the game, and then came back and got an interception. That's so, what I'm okay. Okay, yeah. I knew, I, mean, I knew my mind was working. That was the Dallas game. Yeah, that. Yeah, see, you know, here's the part about getting older. You know, you kind of start running things together. Um, I knew he, I knew he left one game and came back and got an interception, and I just, yeah. you know, um, but no, man, it's it's been so exciting to see like some of these players just really develop into like. All, like really upper echelon all pros, like you know, that aren't part of the everyday conversation. Right. Honestly, Edwards, the linebacker, is having an outstanding year. He's not gonna get, I don't think, a Pro Bowl nod um, because he's not a household name. But dude is playing lights out at linebacker, which we've we haven't had that since the days of Seth Joyner, Joyner and, yeah. and William Thomas and, and Byron Evans and stuff like that. Um, you know, we've had linebackers Trotter. Obviously, being one of them was was probably the most recent, you know, really good one. Yeah. yeah, caliber, all pro caliber linebacker we had. Um, but he's been fantastic. And then you've got um, Marcus Epps playing uh, the other safety position, and he's doing really well. the The biggest person that we haven't been talking about that got hurt, and it's really hurt their secondary, is Avante Maddox, is the nickel corner. Um, He's been out. Josiah Scott stepped up for him. 
actually another undrafted free agent, and he got his first pick off of uh, off of Aaron Rodgers. So that's two undrafted free agents that got interceptions off of Aaron Rodgers in the same game. Same game, yeah, it's crazy. When Aaron Rodgers had never been picked off by an undrafted free agent before. Yep. Yep. So, um, so there you go. You got that. Um, and then you know the the problem is the line is just not they're not getting the pressure they need to and it's but it's not a matter of skill it's just the scheme jonathan gannon is not is not having them put pressure yeah i'm not i'm not certain that i'm uh have bought in to a lot of what i see there um you know there was a lot of easy yards given up you know in that packers game um you know and i and i quite honestly a lot of easy yards given up in a lot of games um it's yeah it it's hard to watch but i think it it's it's also like yeah this isn't the end of the world because you know we've got hurts you know to come back and get those points back well and and that's the thing and honestly it's even it's even hard to put as much as much as i don't like gannon's scheme and i and i really do hope they go a different direction i'm the scuttlebutt is that he's going to be uh getting head coach offers which again we talked about this before where maybe he's a great leader of men like dougie p mm-hmm. dougie p i don't think is a great offensive mastermind but uh, i'll tell you what man dude can coach he can be a head coach he can lead men and i think that maybe that's where um maybe that's where jonathan gannon's strike lies very well could be they need to remove him though as head coach or, or as a defense coordinator, move on from him, bring in somebody with a little bit more of an aggressive scheme. But the biggest problem that they're facing, like we said towards the kickoff of this episode, is that special teams unit. And that when you're starting on a short field with the fumble, you know, that there were there was a fumble in the last game by AJ Brown that gave them that gave the Packers the ball in the Eagles red zone or in their own red zone, I believe um, there was the two kickoff returns that got returned near midfield. Um, one of them was actually over midfield. I think they got to like the, the 43 or something like that. But when you're, when your defense is starting off on a short field, almost every single drive, mm-hmm. you're going to give up points. It's going to happen, especially when you've got, Aaron Rodgers on the other side. Right, right. No, yeah, no. And I, I think that's, um, you know, I, we've sat here and uh, you and I have done it, you know, off off record here, but, you know, dog there and Rodgers, particularly this season and and for whatever, for his off the field stuff or whatever it is. But look, the guy is still a knockout quarterback. Um, there's a reason why he's got a lot of money coming to him. He was the, look, he's the league's reigning MVP. I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not talking about, you know, joke here. At some point, it is very possible if he gets his head back together, um, this guy's going to knock it out again. His big problem to me this year is that he had basically outside of maybe Aaron Jones, every single one of his weapons taken away from him. Yeah. You know, um, and, you know, and I'm not talking about just run of the mill players. I mean, look, Devontae Adams, what leads the league, what in receiving touchdowns again with Derek Carr. Come on, look. That means Devontae Adams could lead the league in touchdowns with you or me, right? <laughs> I mean, hey. it's it's 
it, it's it's almost it's almost comical. I can throw um, this your football over the mountains. It's right. But um, so let's let's finish this up by going back to the original question. We'll wrap it back up. So we 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 kind of went back and forth with number three and four being Doc Rivers tort, you know, for for our respective three and four. But what about your one and two? So who's your one and two top coaches right now for Philadelphia sports between the Eagles and the Phillies? So I'm actually gonna uh, I'm gonna surprise you when I say this. I think, but I'm giving the number two nod to Sirianni. And I'm giving giving Philly Rob the number one spot because look, man, he took him he took him to the promised land. He got them from just a struggling middling team and pushed the right buttons. He did everything he needed to do. He got the guys to believe in themselves. Got the guys to buy in, and he took that team to the World Series. Granted, they lost, but it, it that wasn't Rob Thompson. That wasn't Rob Thompson's fault. No. No, I, that's my one and two as well. Philly Rob and Sirianni, only for that reason. Um, you know, once Sirianni, you know, gets them to a high end of the playoffs, I'm not even going to say Super Bowl uh, right now. Um, you know, I, I I it. <laughs> um, then I, then I would start really batting that around. But Rob Thompson took a losing team, won a ton of games without their megastar, and still took him to the World Series. Right, you know, and just a fantastic job. Um, it's exciting times for Phillies and Eagles fans. Maybe not so much right now for Flyers fans. And if you're a Sixers fan, well, <laughs> Sixers fans, I think, are just just hoping that any day now we wake up and see, oh, hey, look, Doc Rivers got fired. That's that's pretty much what we're waiting for at this point. Flyers fans, we're waiting for Comcast to sell the damn team. 